You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, I never get this line out the first time. It's not even good. Hey, put a little little bit more in there, cowboy. And the Bulldog. What's your degree in? Kicking ass and taking names. (laughs) On WGR Sports Radio 550. Turn the mic on first. That usually helps. Joining us now on the West Her Hotline is Eric Eager. Eric, I don't know if you were like keyed into the update there, but that's a lot of hockey right there for you. I don't know if you're into hockey, but you might have learned a lot right right then. Well, I don't bet that much football anymore now with my new job, so I feel like uh, if there is an edge to be had, uh, I- I'm I'm happy to bet uh, that or the NBA at this point. We were talking about the Sabers in, in the first hour of our show and how promising their season is going. Like they've missed the playoffs eleven years in a row, which is not easy in hockey and i was asking for tickets like anybody have any futures that are kind of maybe a little bit live and what is the price you know and a few people sent plus 15,000 to win the Stanley Cup and like wow you know 10 to win $1500 pretty good so i went and looked at the odds today and they're the same a little bit depressing that they haven't <laughs> moved at all well i think bills bills fans they they had a similar experience this week where you know, we at Zoomer Sports uh, on Twitter tweeted out the 2024 Super Bowl uh, odds, and the Bills, uh, as of like Monday or so, were the favorite <laughs> to win the Super Bowl again. Yes. So I think that that's kind of how these things go, right? One game doesn't really matter that much unless it's, you know, it, it, for the betters, but it matters a lot, obviously, for fans. You know, um, to, to just play off of that for a minute here, Eric, like, does that work? We're, we're talking about. Um... You know, this season that got away here, like Sunday was a very bad day for them with all the expectations and everything, and it was not even really a close game. Uh, So one of the takeaways we've said or heard this week is at least they won't be the Super Bowl favorites again. Um, I don't know. Like, how, how would you look at that at this point with all the changes? I mean, this season isn't even over yet, so I'm not sure how much, you know, this question, how much this question is worth, but... Do you think as we get to September that the Bills probably will be at or near the top of that list? Yeah. I mean, I think that all the all the same things that were true about the Bills going into this year, I mean, fundamentally, what, what, what did we learn? I mean, I think we learned that the defense maybe has a little bit of atrophy that we, uh, you know, weren't handicapping early on, namely the secondary isn't as good uh, as, as, you know, once protected, that, you know, Von Miller, uh, the injuries that he had, you know, for 2020, 2021, uh, they creep up in 2000 and, you know, 22, of course, uh, and, and you're not getting necessarily, uh, you know, the biggest bang for your buck there. Um, and, and, you know, I think that other than that, though, you know, Josh Allen on the offense is still pretty good. I think uh, he had an injury this year that hurt him, I think, more than he let on. And maybe one more thing, which is that, you know, secondary receivers for the Bills did not step up as much as they have in recent seasons, and that really hurt them offensively. Diggs is still as good as he's, as he's always been, uh, but this is going to be, uh, you know, a little bit harder for them now that, you know, the Dawson Knoxes of the world and the, 
you know, the Gabe Davises, Khalil Shakirs are not necessarily as good uh, as maybe some of these secondaries in the AFC playoffs are. How how do you go about supplementing that? You just wait for the draft. The free agency doesn't look great. We talked a little bit about Paris Campbell yesterday, I think, as an idea for a slot guy. Um, like how how do you make sure you're improving your fastball? Because we we talked all season, Eric. I know I know you were on with us at least a couple of times around the station. Um, you know there there was concern growing as the year went on, and we heard Brandon Bean kind of echo that. Um, this week when he spoke, talking about how from really the buy on, which is a lot of the season, that they didn't really meet the thresholds they expected on offense. Those aren't his exact words, but it's basically the spirit of the thing. So, um, like, how how do I approach that with, you know, a $40 million quarterback on my roster? Yeah, that that's the really hard thing. I mean, Kansas City faced a similar thing last year, you know, um, Tyreek Hill, you know, his average depth of target went from like 12 and a half to 10, 10.5, I want to say, uh, or maybe it was like 12.9 to 10.5. Nonetheless, like they defenses made them change their offense. They struggled, uh, you know, and for them, they traded Hill and spread out the risk across the roster. Juju Smith Schuster was one of the wide receivers available, maybe the best one, uh, if the Bills want to go there in free agency. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, who's, you know, been just a guy for them. Uh, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony in a trade. Like they've had, you know, they've had to spread out the risk. And, you know, they have one more yard per target per pass to a wide receiver this year than they did last year with Tyree Kill, which is a pretty impressive feat. Uh, I, I think when you are a team that, you know, has a quarterback on that big contract, the rest of your roster can't be too, uh, you know, strong link, right? Uh, the Chiefs have Chris Jones. They have Travis Kelsey. They have Patrick Mahomes. Everybody else is kind of a, ra- a rounding error to that team. Uh, you know, your Buffalo, you have Von Miller, of course, and then there's an injury there. I think if you had a similar injury to the Chiefs, let's say Kelsey or Chris Jones, I, I think the Chiefs are similarly yoked at this point to the Bills, right? They're probably out of the playoffs at this point. So, you know, you, you, you try to not have as many, uh, you know, um, strong links that can really hurt your team. Uh, and then you spread the risk out everywhere else. You trade back in the draft, uh, and and you sort of accumulate assets. The Chiefs secondary this year they played four rookies all year uh, in, in the secondary, and Jalen Watson, you know, happened to beat out a fourth round guy, a seventh round rookie out of Wazoo, got an interception on Sunday. So, you know, the Chiefs I think are the model for the Bills. Um, the the problem is, and and I think this is where the, the the really hard part for Buffalo fans are. Even though the Bills have been about as good as the Chiefs in the last two or three years. The Chiefs got the one ring out of it, and Buffalo doesn't. And so it made, makes a lot of sense for the Chiefs to sort of pull back and try to plan for the next three, four years. Uh, for mm-hmm. Buffalo, without that ring, like, I can see why the front office is like, okay, let's continue to shove in until we can get one. Uh, but that's kind of not really how it works. Right. We've talked about that, you and I, Eric, and with Bulldog, and just without you here all the time. Yep. <laughs> the, the difference, the, the major difference, I think it doesn't have to work like that, but it probably does that the Chiefs' Super Bowl win afforded them, at least in terms of the public reaction, the, the quote, luxury of trading Hill. And the Bills would never have done that. Like, with the team they had with Diggs, they, they would never have done that. They end up extending him uh, instead at the time. So, speaking of wide receivers, another connection I feel like we have with you is the time you and I were talking and you went in on how strong wide receiver two is to, as a as something that correlates with winning in the playoffs, 
And I have to say, Bulldog will corroborate this. I've probably mentioned that to 20 people on this show. <laughs> like, just all the different teams I can think of through the years that had that, that strong second wide receiver. And while I was maybe a little bit more worried about the Bills down the stretch than others, I got I felt better about it by Sunday because Davis had popped a little bit and it felt like maybe Davis had, you know, gotten there. But in the end, like... He had another big drop in this game. I mean, he wasn't irrelevant, but he's, he's not Devontae Smith, right? What Philadelphia has, or the Debo Kittle Ayuk combo, or even, well, spe- definitely Cincinnati and their guys. So um, I guess I'm, I'm going to think that this season hasn't changed your view or, you know, the, the data on this point. Yeah, I think they have to be complimentary. I was reading a book called uh, Spaced Out About Basketball, and it was really interesting how uh, they talked about how, you know, the game of basketball used to be the center always did certain things, always posted up, always was a rim protector, and then the small forward always did this. And, and, you know, nowadays, you know, your center doesn't have to be your tallest guy anymore. He just has to do, have certain things. And, 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 you know, the, the more players you have that fit together well, the sort of less fragile, the more resilient things are. And I, I fear sometimes for offenses where one wide receiver does everything. And that was the Chiefs last year. Hill was a great underneath guy. He was a great side-to-side guy. He was a great vertical guy. He was a great horizontal guy. Everything, he did everything well. But when Hill started to drop the football or when he started to get injured, and we saw that even at the end of the Miami season this year, the whole offense goes to put. You know, And, and when you look at offenses where – you know, Jamar Chase does the yards after the catch stuff. He also does the, you know, uh, the intermediate stuff. Higgins does the downfield and the, and the, big, and the big guy stuff. Tyler Boyd kind of does the underneath stuff. Kansas City, it's actually very definitive. Mark Oswaldis-Scantling does the deep stuff. Juju does the, the, under, you know, the uh, underneath stuff. And Kelsey does everything. And, and, and you know, Scott, uh, Kadarius Tony does the horizontal stuff. And I think when you try to build a receiving core where – you know, you can get into, you know, in a 17-game season, you're playing 10 to 12 teams that aren't good enough to stop number one guy. But you get into the playoffs, and it's like, well, they're good at shutting down one or two things or, or one player, right? Like, they're good enough at bracketing one player where, like, if your offense depends on just that one player to make plays in the passing game, it's just going to be too uh, – it's going to be too fragile with respect to, to that game. And so I think that that's really, you know, when you think about building a receiving court, I think the Bills try. I mean, they drafted, you know, Marquez Stevenson, uh, Khalil Shakir, uh, you know, Gabe Davis. They, and they do a pretty good job of taking swings at that position. Obviously, Diggs, of course. Um, but it, they just have to probably throw more numbers at it, given that it hasn't been as successful as they wanted it to be in the, in the past. And, th- and those are all, I think, if I'm not mistaken, day three picks, as was Diggs when he was drafted for what it's worth, and he's turned into obviously a, a, an absolute stud. So w- would you think throwing premium, more premium assets, you know, day one or day two pick at it is warranted at this point? Like if they kind of, yes, they've drafted some numbers, but have they also at the same time maybe been a little negligent about it considering what kind of team they are? I think so, but also, you know, wide receiver is one of those positions that is a premium position, but you can access it in rounds two and three um, because you're not necessarily – I mean, back in the day, right, when, when the Bills were doing all their things, like Andre Reid was everything, right? And then you had, you know, James Lofton or, you know, you, you, and, and a lot of teams were like two guys played all the snaps and then this little guy came in and played, you know, all third downs. Nowadays you see like more distributed snaps among teams, 
Like, I'm okay with teams taking wide receivers, you know, later in the draft. It's just that you have to – like, I think Andy Reid made a concerted effort this year to say, look, none of our wide receivers are going to be really good. They're, the group is going to be really good. And I think that that's a mentality that has to go along with uh, the player acquisition that maybe Buffalo is missing a little bit. Because, again, like, it's really it's, – it's weird. It's, you know, there are – phases of successful team building and and we're talking about you know a Bills team that's been very successful but the first phase is to get your get your young quarterback a stud wide receiver he can lean on so that you find out whether or not he's good the Bills have passed that test the second test is to spread out the risk and make sure that you know because your receiving core is going to be weaker be the right kind of weak with Eric Eager Eric's been on our show many times been gracious enough to, to stop by Formerly with PFF, now with Sumer Sports, Eric's new or newer Twitter handle at Eric Eager underscore. Let's look at the Bills here from another angle. So, all right, the roster and what happened, what really was this team at the end. How about in the context, Eric, of the last three years? The two playoff losses in Kansas City and then this game. Part of our conversation has been how to fix what's broken and how much of it is broken. Another part of it has been... These, the correlations that are, you know, maybe a little sketchy here between the AFC Championship game to last year and this year. This includes coaching in our conversations and, you know, I don't know, this or that that happened in these games. They're all different. Sunday's game was not not really competitive, you know. Cincinnati really controlled it. So um, would you – I'm guessing this is the case. Would you be sort of reluctant to tie the games together or do the three losses together tell you something important? Uh, you know, I had a, one of my good friends is uh, works at the Chiefs, and you know he he told me after the game last year, he said, "Look, he, he like texted me back. You know, I did the whole hey that was that was awesome. You know, that was a lot of fun for you guys." And he goes, "I walked by the Bills locker room, and that was a dejected team. That was a team that was out of gas. And you know, it's funny because the Chiefs the next week." Uh, you know, having kind of undergone the same thing, high expectations, you know, really tough second round game. Uh, they ran out of gas against the Bengals. And I think when you look at, you know, when you haven't won the big one and you haven't kind of recycled your roster, now getting Von Miller is a thing, a thing but he didn't play, you know, this time of year. I think when you, ha- when you try to run it back a number of times, it just, it wears on you. And I think when you, you know, when you take your you, you take your best punch and you punch the best team in the league, and they've beaten Kansas City. I mean, they went on the road this year and they were favored by three and a half, four points against the Chiefs. Like they, they've they've done it the right thing in many ways. But I think the problem is is that over time you you need I think new blood a little bit, and otherwise you're going to run out of gas. And frankly, going into that game, I said you know both of these teams, the Bengals and the Bills, kind of feel to me teams that peaked early in the season and they were just kind of running on to you. Mm-hmm. And I think what we saw was that the, the Bills were running on fumes more heavily than the Bengals were. But I, I think, you know, unfortunately, they probably do need, like, a rejuvenation. Like, they needed to turn the roster over just a little bit to kind of ignite that fire. Even You know, the same thing happened with Kansas City after 2020. They went to the Super Bowl against the Bucks and they got blown out. And, you know, it's sort of that thing where every single win was a relief for the Chiefs. I, I heard that from within the building. And, you know – and, you know, that wears on you. And I think the Bills are kind of in the same position right now, even though they didn't get the Super Bowl the way the Chiefs did. I think they're still in that same place where you expect to win every single week, 
And that, those kind of expectations, I think, grind on a roster that has largely stayed the same for the past few years. And the coaching staff has been stable. Well, I mean, of course, offense changed, but Dorsey was here. So I would consider that, you know, there was good continuity there. On the defensive side of the ball, that's where I think maybe there's a thread in the three games. Like the Bills have, you're right, the last two years, actually, they've gone into Kansas City and limited them to 20 points. The playoff games were, well, this year they didn't get them in the playoffs, but, of course, last year and the year before the AFC title game were very different stories on defense. And, like, I'm wondering about freshening that up, a new perspective, another mind to maybe help supplement what McDermott is all about on defense. Nothing against Leslie Frazier. He's had a a fantastic career. But I I feel like just running everything back the same, it runs the risk of sort of settling for hitting your head on the same ceiling over and over again. Well, and and I I tweeted this out because – uh, I actually admire Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier quite a bit. I think McDermott, if you look at our stats at Sumer Sports on Twitter, we it, McDermott in-game is as good as anybody in terms of which fourth downs he goes for, the timeouts he keeps and doesn't keep and all that. And yet at the same time, like he's the one defensive coach who was left among the final eight, uh, you know, defensive background head coach, right? And, you know, there is precedent. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, you know rose up under Tony Dungy in 1997, uh, right when they got those new uniforms and a- NFC title game in, ni- in 99, you know, uh, hit their head on the ceiling again, you know, subsequent years. And, you know, it wasn't that Dungy was a bad coach, but far from it. In fact, a Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl winner himself. But and not that John Gruden was better than him. But uh, there was like a change of kind of, you know, that leader that kind of got them over the hump in 2002. And I'm not suggesting that for the Bills. I'm just saying that anybody who's thinking that, uh, is probably being guided by precedent. Eric, how about uh, these games on Sunday? So since we're in the AFC, the lines are all so small, even the potential Super Bowl matchups are all like a point or two points. I look at the Chiefs, I know you're sort of partial to the Chiefs, uh, I look at that game, and I've said this a few times this week, that like the Chiefs have lost those games to the Bengals, and like, kind of every fan knows that, but they controlled, or at least led, in, in the second half or even late uh, each of these games. So I, I'm on Kansas City here minus a point or a point and a half is what it is today. How about you? Yeah, same thing. I mean, it, they controlled the first two games a lot more than they controlled the game in, in Cincinnati this year. I thought the mm-hmm. Bengals really outplayed them. Uh, they got a stop um, by Carlos Dunlap on a fourth down at the end of the half. They got a drop by Tyler Boyd. Um, but it, it, be that as it may, they, they battled through and had a you know, 75% chance to win in the fourth quarter of that game. Travis Kelsey fumbled when they were driving up four, and, and that was really a, a, a nail in their coffin there. Um, you know, Andy Reid has really struggled at the in-game decisions against the Bengals. He went, he went for a 55-yard field goal to try to tie the game. About three minutes left, it was really ill-advised. Kick didn't go in. Bengals ran the clock out. So they, they've had their troubles. I will say this. Like, this, to me, I feel – you know, when I look at the reason I'm betting Kansas City this week, it would be they have all of the sort of spot-related things. They have extra rest, right? Last year, the Bengals went into Arrowhead with the extra day of rest. This year, the, Beng- the Bengals played, you know, Sunday, Chiefs played Saturday. Uh, obviously, home field matters in the playoffs, and it matters more than it does in the regular season. And to your point, like, I just think everybody's looking at the Bengals. The Bengals have thrown for one- 300 yards once in the last eight games. The, they, last week they rushed really well against the Bills. 
172 yards. Prior to that, it was like 55 yards, 51 yards, 78. Like they had, that was a, a diversion from what, what was normal, uh, basically since the Chiefs game. Uh, and so I think that you know things regress a little bit for for Cincinnati. I even think like the whole running out of gas thing happens in Cincinnati this week. So yeah, I like the Chiefs. Uh, I might be a little bit tilted by my own fandom, but. There's a lot of fundamental reasons why you know, I could see anything happening in this game, including a Bengals blowout, but I think the Chiefs are the right side, especially now it looks like Mahomes is you know, going to fare pretty well in this one. Yep. How about the NFC? Yeah, I, to me, the, so this is, this is a no-duh thing, but I think it's going to be even more than the, than the base rates. But whoever scores first in this game, I think, wins. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, we talk about Philly, the best team that Philly's played, it is a Detroit Lions team that I bet on all year, uh, and that was in week one. Uh, the best team that the San Francisco 49ers have beaten uh, is the Dallas Cowboys uh, and, and last week, and that Dallas Cowboys team did not play their A game. So there's a lot of uncertainty about these two. How strong are they really uh, is a really good question, but I think the one thing with the Eagles is when they get behind, they do not play the same style of football, and they don't play it as well. But when they get ahead – boy, can they really just, like, pound a team into submission. So Kyle Shanahan, one of the best coaches in the NFL in terms of on-script play calling, if they get the ball first or, you know, get, get the ball when it's 0-0, they go down and score, I think, I think they win. If they don't and, and Philly gets out ahead, I think Philly will roll because of how good they are running the football and how kind of careless Brock Purdy has been with the football uh, over the past few weeks. What's at stake for Purdy and the 49ers? I mean, obviously a bid to the Super Bowl, I, I know, but – like, has Purdy done enough to be their guy going into next year? They've got Trey Lance there, obviously. I'll assume they'll move on from Garoppolo at some point here, finally, maybe this offseason. Um, what do you think the future is for Purdy? Yeah, I know this one stings a little bit for Bills fans, but I think it's going to be similar to the Giants in 1990-91 um, you know, they go into next season with a, a competition between uh, Lance and, and Purdy. Uh, much like Hostetler and, and Sims. Like, I, I just, you know, and that's, you know, two cost-control quarterbacks. You, you shouldn't move on from either one unless the team comes and blows you away with a trade for Lance, which I don't think they will. Uh, you should just, you know, comp- have the two guys compete. And if one of them, you know, if, if Brock Purdy beats out Trey Lance, you just write out Trey, write off Trey Lance, trade his variance, and move on. Like, you know, we're all adults here. We can play the better quarterback. And if Trey Lance is better, uh, I think it'll be pretty apparent early in camp. Very good, Eric. Nice to catch up with you again. Uh, enjoy championship weekend. I know you will. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 